Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Here's Dickow from the deep corner for three. Uh-oh, uh-oh. It's on now. Downtown Dan connects. Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work. I mean, I've seen Dan Dickow hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> I got to salute you, man. Like, I've been watching you since I was in high school trying to mimic all your moves. Welcome to today's episode of the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow for SB Live Sports. Today's guest Someone who I watched in college. Now, if you're listening to this, you probably know the name, but you don't realize I was a fan of her game. Yes, that's right, her game, because she was as good a scorer in college basketball in the early 2000s. I know I'm dating both of us by making that comment in reference to the date, but one of the greatest scorers in women's college basketball history, Jackie Styles. Jackie, thanks for joining. It's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much, Dan, for having me. And hey, I was a huge fan of yours. I I loved your game. The way you could score, you were electric. You were fun to watch. Well, I appreciate that. You were, like I mentioned, an incredible scorer. You led the women's all-college basketball all-time in scoring until Kelsey Plum of UW recently broke that. But I remember watching you on TV a number of times, and then I saw you in person in, in the 2001 NCAA tournament when your team played in Spokane. When you look back at your college years, how much fun was it? Because I think that gets lost in all the memories a lot of times. Oh, man, playing college basketball, I tell people all the time, was the best four years of my life. I was like, oh, my gosh, that experience I had might have ruined the rest of my life because what compares to that? You know, it's just a such a special window of your life, and I don't think you really realize how special it is to be a part of a team. Um, you know, those memories of, you know, traveling, hanging out in your dorm, you know, those are the things you kind of look back on is the relationships and, and that bond that you have with your teammates for a lifetime. But, but yeah, playing college basketball, special four years. I was so happy I had the experience I did at Missouri State. We talked uh, before we hit record uh, about your team coming to Spokane. Spokane's an incredible basketball town. You probably don't know it, but the nickname of Spokane is Hooptown USA. The largest three-on-three basketball tournament in the world is held in Spokane every single year. Unfortunately, the last two years it's been canceled due to COVID, but you mentioned the excitement and the energy in the building in Spokane when you guys played there. Can you share a little bit about your memories of that game and that trip in particular? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, Spokane, I believe it. It It is a special place for women's basketball, men's basketball, you name it. And my best memory, probably of my college career, happened in Spokane because uh, we actually played our first two rounds in New Jersey. We had to play at Rutgers, and that was a horrible draw for us because we thought we would get to host um, at the NCAA tournament, but we didn't. And, you know, here we had to play Rutgers, who was a Final Four team the year before, to make the Sweet 16. And we were able to pull that game out, and then we traveled to Spokane, and, you know, no one was giving us a chance versus number one seed at Duke. And I remember, you know, our whole team believed we can win, and we could win that game, and we were able to pull it out. But 
what I remember most is the fans. I mean, they made that so special. And so then we beat Duke and then they show up packed house when we're playing Washington. And here, you know, we probably thought like Washington was going to be the home team, but they kind of um, rallied around us. And, and I'll never forget the moment and how special they made that NCAA tournament. Uh, I live in Spokane now. It's been nine years since my family moved here. So for me to hear someone like yourself talk about Spokane being such a good basketball town uh, brings a lot of joy and a smile to my face. So I appreciate those thoughts. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about your youth, your upbringing as a, as a basketball player. Where did the love for the game, the drive to become great come for you? Well, I was very fortunate that my dad was a basketball coach and, you know, I could remember following him to the gym when I was a little girl and he would show me a fundamental and I couldn't wait to kind of show him that I could master it. And he coached the men's varsity team. And I, I remember, you know, as a little girl, I'd ride the bus uh, with the guys and I, I just couldn't get enough of it. I would go to his coaching clinics and sit there through a, a coaching clinic. I just fell in love with it through my dad. And I even remember telling my second grade teacher I was going to play professional basketball one day. And my teacher looks at me like I have a hole in my head. Like what? I mean, first of all, the WNBA didn't even exist back then, but I just had that vision at a young age that basketball was what I was wanting to do. And what a blessing to kind of really know your passion at that young of age. And so, um, yeah, I was very lucky that my dad was a coach and he taught me the fundamentals very early. So I had a good base of instruction from a young age. You played in the WNBA kind of towards the forefront in the emergence of that league. So the girls who are growing up now were able to watch players like yourself for you growing up, who did you watch, whether it was women's college basketball or maybe at the professional level in the NBA at the time? Who were players that you looked up to and kind of watched? Yeah, well, I was absolutely obsessed with Michael Jordan. Oh, my gosh. I loved him. I wanted to be Mike. Uh, you know, I had his shoes. I watched everything I could watch. I read every book about him. Um, so he was one of my heroes. Definitely Larry Bird. I was a big Larry Bird fan. Um, also Pistol Pete. Um you know, I just love the way he could score and his story. And I, I read his book. So those were on the men's side. And then I really liked Cynthia Cooper's game. Um, you know, she kind of developed later, um, you know, as the WNBA started, you know, later in my career. But then um, Melody Howard was one of my big heroes as well. I got uh, very fortunate that um, an assistant coach from Missouri State saw me play in my very first AU tournament when I was in seventh grade. So they started recruiting me then and got me to come to camp. And she led Missouri State to their first Final Four. And she was a, a hero of mine. So, so those were some of the players that I idolized growing up. I can imagine a, a lot of players in the WNBA, as I, as I kind of mentioned earlier, looked up to you. And you were a part of the WNBA in the early years. How much pride do you have in being one of the early faces of women's professional basketball? Uh, definitely a lot of pride because, you know, I know that we stand on shoulders of many that came before us to work to give us that opportunity. And then for me to be able to get paid to play basketball, to get paid to do something I absolutely love. And then now, you know, young girls, like when they're in second grade, they can dream about playing in the WNBA, playing professional basketball in the U.S. And I think that's only making our game grow that much more because of the opportunities and the visibility of it now. But yeah, I take it, um, you know, it was it was a great experience for me. I mean, getting to pay to play basketball and I'm so appreciative of that. 
when you look at some of those early uh, WNBA years for you, if I remember right in following your career path a bit, because you played for the Portland Fire, I grew up in the Portland area, so I, I went to a game or two. Um, what was it about your career in the pros um, that was either your biggest joy and maybe your biggest frustration? Because all professional athletes, you see the joy, but you don't always see the frustration. So give me a little bit of both. Yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, it, I was surprised because I thought it was going to be like college basketball, you know, but there's a difference in age. So, you know, there's me coming out of college and I'm maybe 22, but then there's the 10 year veteran that's, you know, 32. And, you know, in college, you do everything together. Well, in the pros, it would be like on the road, you would just go eat your pregame meal by yourself and then show up for game time. So it was a little bit more of a, a business-like atmosphere. And I think sometimes when money gets involved, there's a little more selfishness. You're, you're not, you know, I always focus on, hey, I just want to do whatever it takes to win because I was so crazy competitive, but everybody doesn't kind of approach it like that. So that was probably the hardest adjustment going in because I was expecting it to be like college basketball. But I also remember, um, you know, the speed and the athleticism and the size being an adjustment at first. And, you know, I kind of eventually just I I had this breakout game and that kind of gave me the confidence that, oh, wait, you know what, I I can play at this level. I kind of just needed to see that um, for my confidence. But, yeah, it was definitely adjustment like it is going from high school to Division One basketball to Division One basketball to the pros. Um, Yeah, it's different. It's another level. Obviously, with our podcast, we release audio, but we're on a Zoom call right now. I see behind you four different jerseys. It looks like uh, two WNBA jerseys in your college jersey, but also USA basketball. Yeah. Where did you represent Team USA and what was that experience like and, and maybe the pride that you had representing our country? Well, um, Dan, to be an Olympian was honestly my ultimate dream um, because, like I said, when I was growing up initially, that was kind of the highest honor or the highest thing a, a women's basketball player could achieve because they didn't have the WNBA. So I was like, I remember I had a poster of a, a, a who was it now? I had one of the USA players, um, Teresa Edwards. That's who it was. Teresa Edwards. I had it on my ceiling in my wall because I wanted to be an Olympian so bad. And so I actually made five straight summers of USA teams because that's kind of how you have to make it you have to make those younger teams like the junior world championship teams and the Jones Cup so I actually made five straight summers and then um, I got invited to uh, try out for the world championship team Um, this was I think 2002 that ends up turning into the Olympic team and I was one of um, 14 for 12 spots and that's when my injuries kind of started and I really wasn't able to try out for that team, unfortunately, but, but yeah, um, I, I loved representing my country. And and I remember the excitement of even just getting the gear, you know, the USA gear to proudly um, wear that around and represent. So, so that was a great experience because I remember I hadn't flown at all. And so I'm here, I'm going to, to Mexico, to Spain. I got to see the world through USA basketball. It was a great experience. I had a chance one time to also represent the country and and I still have my jersey and, um, you know, I I look at it with a lot of pride as I think all athletes, if they get a chance to represent their country, it's it's a enormous opportunity to really kind of put things in perspective. When you look at 
the upcoming group of college women's basketball players. Two names that quickly come to mind to me are Paige Beckers at UConn, as well as Haley Van Lith. I would imagine after having spent some time as a college basketball coach, you still follow it closely. What either excites you about their game or surprises you about their game uh, because they're so good at a young age? Well, I know they, they are just phenomenal to watch and the way they carry themselves you know, as freshmen, I mean, the what they did as freshman college athletes under the microscope that they were under is just amazing. And you know what? We didn't have to deal with, and here I am dating us again. We didn't have to deal with the social media. So that adds a whole nother element to, I'm, I'm sure, the pressure and different things that they have to um, handle that, that we didn't have to handle. But man, um, the way they play on the court with the joy and the passion, you can, you can see it. And you know, for them to be able to play like that, they've put a ton of hours when no one was looking because the way they can score is just so impressive. So earlier you, you talked about looking up to, I believe it was Teresa Edwards, Cynthia Cooper was someone as, as well that you liked watching growing up. When, when you get a free evening, a free chance to, to watch college or WNBA basketball, who are the players that you like to focus in on and why? Well, you know, I, I like to watch scores. You know, I, I just have had, always had a thing for people that can put the ball in the basket. And, and definitely Paige is one. Um, Caitlin Clark, um, Iowa, she's, she's phenomenal. She's, she is fun to watch. Um, gosh, NBA, uh, you know, I, I, I love watching, I mean, all basketball, but really any score. I'm trying to think. Um, I, I just am drawing a blank here who all I like to watch, but anybody that can put the ball in the basket is, is one of my favorites. And, and you were, I mean, I'm telling you, I was glued to the TV when I could watch you play just because I, I love scores. And um, so I would say that's, you know, some of the people I like to watch. Well, I appreciate you calling me a scorer. I was at the, at the college level, the NBA level, not quite so much because guys were, were so much bigger and more athletic and, and just the game was better or it fit me different but one of the greatest scorers in all of all time Kobe Bryant was having a tremendous influence on the girls and the women's game when you look back at his his influence what was it about that that maybe made someone like yourself who was so involved in the game appreciative of what he was doing yeah, Kobe, um, what an amazing person, you know, just on and off the floor and how he impacted so many. But I think a big part of it was how, I mean, his work ethic and how he talked about, I mean, honestly, what it takes to be great. And it's not always glamorous. And he he always said, you know, he worked on the basics. And I think so many people now get caught up on doing all these fancy things with cones and and you know really will you ever do that in a game and, and my mentality has always been you know practice what you're going to do 99 percent of the time and it's not glamorous but it's repetition 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 and that way when you get in the game it's just autopilot you don't even have to think about it because you've done so many reps and 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 he was like that I mean he you know made a thousand shots a day plus and um you know so I think that's what made him so special and then just how he can, could communicate what made him great. But I always say dominate simple. I mean, practice the things that you're going to do over and over in a game. Dominate the simple is, is a terrific message for young players to start learning what truly is important and what wins games. 
you spent time as a as a college coach. You're now running some some businesses. Next Gen Fitness, I believe, is what you you mentioned. Uh, but you also run camps and clinics, um, which I do as well in Spokane. And I feel it's such a great way to give back the things that we learn to the game. But with that comment, dominate the simple. What are some of the most overlooked things in the game that in, and how it's being taught now that you wish you could just ingrain it into parents and players that know this is what needs to be worked on? Yeah, no, um, for sure. I, I really enjoy the camps and clinics because I look back so many people sacrificed it so I could live out my basketball dreams. And, and I can remember just going to a clinic and it was Kevin Pritchard at the time. He played at KU years ago. He, he said to me, if you keep working, you could one day, you know, be something special and play division one basketball. And I still, those words still ring in my head. So to then be able to do that for other young athletes, you know, that's what um, brings me so much joy now, but I definitely think that one thing we're missing is players just don't play anymore. They have these trainers and, you know, I, I'm, I'm a trainer. I do small group lessons. So yes, that is important. Um, you know, getting repetitions with the shooting, with the ball handling, the passing. But I think one of the biggest things that needs to be trained is decision-making because you have to make a decision every single time down the court and you have to develop a feel. And I always tell players, I played hours of one-on-one, whether it was one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three. I had two twin guys that were my neighbors, two years older, six-three, and we would play hours. And, and that's how I learned how to get my shot off on bigger players. And, you know, I'm not very big. I'm five-eight, but I rarely got my shot blocked. And that's one thing I'm noticing, at least in the women's game, because I coached it and I saw it up close on a daily basis. But, I mean, players get their shot blocked all the time time and I'm like I don't get that like how do you not feel that you know but it's because they just do the you know that whether it's drill work but they're not training the decision making piece so I think that's one thing that really needs to be focused on in youth basketball a lot of times players remember their career high scoring game Uh, I remember mine in high school and college in the NBA I looked back at yours and you had 56 points in a game against Evansville in college. Was that the most you ever had or did you have more in a high school game? And then what was your career high in the WNBA, if you remember? Okay, well, um, I did have more um, in high school. I had 71 in the game. (laughs) Was there a three-point line? (laughs) Yeah, and actually, I didn't even play the fourth quarter at all. But um, I did pass. It's kind of embarrassing. I did pass. I didn't shoot it every time down the court. But um, actually, why I was so motivated for that game, there's a story behind that. The year before, that same team uh, in high school, they had really heckled me really bad. There was a group of guys. And I let it get to me and I had one of the worst games of my high school career. And, and I never got caught up in individual awards or scoring points. It was always, what can we do to win? And, you know, one of my gifts was to be able to put the ball in the basket. So that was usually the role I played. But I remember after that disappointing game, I, I told my dad, I'm going to break the state scoring record on that team the next year. And sure enough, these guys came to heckle me and I had another level of focus. And so I was able to score 71 that game. And then, um, yes, in college, I had um, 56. And then um, in the pros, I believe it was 32 was my highest game there. So, so yeah. That's awesome. I love it. 71 points the year after having a struggle of a game against the opponent. That, that's a way to bounce back. I think that's a great message 
uh, for young players if they're listening to this. Take what you just went through, learn from it, and then get better for your next opportunity. So, Jackie, I appreciate the time. As I mentioned in the intro, I was a fan of your game. And again, I hate to date us in the early 2000s. You were tremendous for the women's college game. Um, So thanks again for joining the ISO and best of luck with your new venture, Next Gen Fitness. Hey, thank you so much, Dan. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.